This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I am joined on this Friday morning. By Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? How's technology? How's everything going? Uh, you know, technology. I hate technology. A troglodyte is Tracy Pearson. It's Tracy P. You had a rhyme there and you just completely missed it. Whatever. Life's good. Life's good. It's 80 degrees. So everything's good. In Pasadena, what, 83 tomorrow? Something like that, yeah. It's going to be a nice, nice day. Come on out, Dave. There's going to be no hurricane on the forecast. There's going to be no extreme heat wave. It's just going to be a normal 11 a.m. game at the Rose Bowl. Tomorrow. 11 a.m. Yeah. 11 three of the first three of the four, first four UCLA games this year um, before noon. I don't think I ever remember. Maybe that's uh, – it's not coincidence that the first three uh, UCLA games of the year were like – crap games <laughs> I, well yeah. i mean the first four really because you count colorado in there you gotta yeah speaking of that dave uh-huh. um i think we're doing our I, 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 i'm gonna give the people who have decided to listen to our pretty little broadcast uh-huh. some insight of how we really feel we've been doing our best maybe to hype up south alabama this week and they are going to be the best opponent UCLA has played so far but it's still not really a test it shouldn't be yeah. so here's what I would say what I predicted is what I think it should basically be like they should win by a couple of scores if they don't if they are supremely tested by South Alabama alarms should be going off for you because Good South time. Alabama Bells is should be ringing South Alabama is an average G5. They're not a good G5. They're not Appalachian State. They're an average G5, and that that is that is more of a test than they've seen so far because Bowling Green, honestly, Bowling Green for me is comparable to Alabama State. Like, they're not good, and neither was Alabama State. Um, you know, Bowling Green is borderline an FCS quality program right now. South Alabama's a G5. Like, they're, you know, I don't know. They're Nevada, right? Like, they're, they're not a team that should really test UCLA but they do have some you know some decent D1 athletes on their team so there's at least something where you have to throw a game plan out there in that in that CBS ranking of the 131 teams that they do every five minutes um (laughs) uh South Alabama um is ranked 85th yeah exactly and just to put this in perspective Bowling Green is 127 
<laughs> yeah, no, Bowling Green is one of the very worst teams in FBS this year, as is Colorado, which we'll talk about next week. But um, 85th is still should not be a test for any team that's aspiring to the top 20. I'm going to just be uh, not with a lot of high expectations, just aspiring to be a ranked team. Yeah, I guess what I'll say is this. The spread is 15 for a reason. Like UCLA should win this by a couple of scores. What's what's really funny too is all of those, most of those rankings that do 131 CBS, uh, the ESPN, SP Plus, have are not convinced about UCLA at all. No, CBS has UCLA 42nd. You know what? Let me look at ESPN. I 39th. It's all fringe top 40. Fringe top 40. So no one's convinced of UCLA either and i have to bet i'm i'm not either um you know that little graphic that some brilliant bro made up of me holding the ball and uh no i'm kicking the ball i'm sorry and chip kelly's holding it and i run up and they pull the yeah. ball out the smile on chip kelly's face is pretty damn funny <laughs> i just laugh thinking about it but that's yeah. kind of where i am at this point uh i'm not getting you know that ball pulled out for me i just I need I need it pr- proven that this is a, a good UCLA team. And, and actually, we're not going to find that out for a while. Colorado in that CBS ranking, 97. So, so here's, South Alabama is ranked better than Colorado. Washington is 41st. So that's actually ahead. <laughs> that's ahead of UCLA by, by one uh, ra- uh, here's, here's spot. Here's my take on it. If they blow out South Alabama to the extent that they blew out Bowling Green, I'm my 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 level of optimism about the team actually will change a little bit I because agree. because yeah. that's that's a real blowout. Like you blew out a team that except for that first quarter, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, no, no, no. The Bowling Green blowout was not a real blowout. That was just Bowling Green's really bad. They lost to yeah. Eastern Kentucky. Like they're bad. Yeah. Uh, but South Alabama, they're like a, a team that actually has some ambition to like compete in the Sun Belt. Like they're they're a real football team. Um, Colorado is not. Ninety seventh is overrated. I don't know how much everyone has watched Colorado football, and this is a little bit of a digression. That's one of the worst teams I've ever seen. They're going to be horrible this year. I don't think they're winning a game. It goes back to the thing we've been talking about. It it so boggles my mind when you rehire a coach like Carl Durrell rehire a coach like Steve Lavin I, I, I and, and you know I've always blamed it on the fact that athletic directors are uh, administrators and and not real sports people like they they go to make hires in football and basketball and they generally don't know the sport and they rely on consultants and and that, but the NFL just keeps retreading guys. They're the re they're the retreader supreme. So, uh, what is so difficult? Uh, no, no, they, I'll you tell would you. Rather what... go with a Steve Lavin, a Steve Lavin based on what? what no, no, Steve I'm going to tell you. Ex- coached well. Let me tell you exactly what it is. It's what we've always said about the UCLA job, baby. It is such a good job that it has elevated the impression of those two guys so much that they keep getting hired. That's the only explanation. Carl Durrell was eight games above 500 at UCLA. He's yeah. going to go winless this year. That is the UCLA talent effect. Steve Lavin went to five straight Sweet 16s at UCLA, and he can't coach. He barely knows what a basketball looks like. 
and he's been hired at two other jobs since then. It's because of UCLA. Yeah. It's that good of a job that you could literally not know anything about the sport and go above 500. Which means if you if you put in good coaches, as we've always maintained, now, it doesn't have to be a reputation, does it? just a guy who can really coach and really recruit. God dang. I'm 62 years old. I have to, I'd have to say I'd like to see that in both sports for Maybe just someday. like a window of about seven years. It's cool. Yeah. It'd be cool. We've um, never really seen it, right? <laughs> no, no, we haven't. Wait, let's let's uh, Howland first five years. Okay, but all right. So here's the golden era for UCLA athletics was probably <laughs> in the last twenty five years. I mean, um, so there's two periods. <laughs> there's two. There's two periods where it could be argued, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's One would it. be. <laughs> <laughs> literally Howland's three final fours because Darrell beat US, USC 13 That's to nine in there. such an asterisk. Oh yeah. my God. No, but like literally that is one. Or um, the overlap between uh, Steve Alford's uh, 2014 team with uh, Kyle Anderson, Jordan Adams uh, that went to like the Sweet 16 or whatever and Mora's last year. That's like the two points where, okay, these two, these two programs are at their highest relative points. And I'd have to say, let's throw a little strange optimism here. The, the, the UCLA program for coaching is locked down right now. I mean, Mick Cronin's not going to leave. He's not going to go coach in the NBA. He's not going to go to another program, a college program. If you want to argue about Mick Cronin, go, but everyone has to admit, he's a good coach. Okay, let's just, we've got one of those things locked down. So all, all I'm asking... Um, college sports gods don't think it's too much I've given 25 years of my life to this just like a, a, a you know some good football coaching and I'm not necessarily saying Chip Kelly isn't the guy but Chip Kelly's program would have to transform I'd say in the next oh do you want me to say it I'll no say it I know you. you would say it anyway but yeah. dang how this and then people answer see there's something endemically wrong with UCLA and it's not it's the people, it is an uncanny stretch of bad hiring choices. Yeah. That's and all some, it is. And some, and some not UCLA's fault. Like uh, hiring Chip Kelly, not your fault. Not UCLA's fault. You know, I'd say it, the two best hires they've made in a long time were Chip Kelly and Mick Cronin. Anyone would have made those, those hires. Yeah. No, just luck of the draw. Oh God! It's, it really is. It really is amazing. It's amazing. But here's the other thing too. This is a story that came out. Did you see the athletic story about Texas? What they spend on recruiting? Two hundred and eighty thousand, I think, on an official <laughs> visit weekend. For nine recruits, two hundred eighty thousand. That comes out. Let's see my math. Thirty thousand dollars a recruit for a weekend. It was like nine thousand dollars at Top Golf. <laughs> what the hell can you do at Top Golf for nine grand? I mean, there were probably like I think there were seventy people there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All the families showed up, but I mean, wow! Four Seasons Hotel in Austin. Uh, this is the and and you know right now I think uh, I think uh, Texas is ranked number two in the country. So it if you're getting some bang for your buck, this is it. Um, and then, I mean, UCLA recruits are staying at the Luskin, according to Bill Walton, best hotel in the world. 
<laughs> Bill, Bill hasn't gotten out of his teepee much. <laughs> um, it's a good hotel, quality hotel. Certainly not, I, you wouldn't even rank it a, uh, among the top 250 hotels in the world. Solid hotel. But, wow, I mean, do you see, I mean, they do an elaborate photo shoot for nine players. That takes almost half the day at Texas. Um, UCLA under Jim Mora used to bring the player, the recruits out to the Rose Bowl, photo shoots, you know, shoots at the at, at the stadium. They won't even do that now. So, if there's ever, I mean, it's so clear the money you put into recruiting, you get out of it. Yep. Um, and Texas, I mean, what, one play away from being in Alabama, right? You yep. You say. Uh, number two uh, recruiting they're, class they're, in the they're, country. They're 21. they're 21. You mean in recruiting or in uh, the football rankings? Uh, in recruiting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, number two. Uh, our boy. Oh, I can't say our boy. I just said that and it just like hurt my heart. No, he's but not Steve our boy. Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. I, I, you'd have to say, well, he hasn't won anything really, truly significant. If you're looking for optimism on how a program could be, you know, the feeling that it's going to be good, you you would you could probably invest in some Texas. Yeah, I mean, he's going to do the talent acquisition thing. I think his like um, likely outcome here is maybe something like what Mac Brown did, which is good. Um, I, I just don't know about him as a consistent head of a program guy. Um, but they acquire enough talent. I mean, Texas will be good enough. Um, it's just, they're going to the sec. That's going to be tough, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, but your point is valid, which is, could you just recruit? Could you, could you just do it? I know. Speaking of, speaking of which transfer you baby. Wow. Okay. So you were there. Uh huh. (laughs) Set the stage. Tell us how that so, went down. So, uh, pull it. Pull us behind the curtain. All right. So Ben and I were talking. Ben, a that's bit. Ben Bold. Yeah. Ben and I were talking a little bit before, and he was like, "I'm going to bring up the transfer you stuff," and he's like, "Hey, you know, if, if I miss anything, because we're anticipating that he's going to do the Chip Kelly thing, right? Where he's like, oh, I don't know anything about our Twitter, and uh, yeah, we've got a lot of transfers or whatever, you know." And so then we get out there. And you, you guys were tagged. I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready yeah, to you're go. Ready. You've got yeah. a question, a follow-up question ready. So Ben asked him, and uh, he asked him. So what about this transfer? You tweet, and Chip Kelly, zigging when we're all expecting a zag, right? All the time, says, "Oh yeah, that was a mistake. Total mistake. Uh, that's not what we're about. Uh, we, you know, we 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 believe in a blend. You know, all this stuff." And I'm just like, "Huh? I got nothing now." I, yeah. I have. I have I was, were, were you I, just going blah blah blah? blah I am like, wait, blah. wait, wait. Did you just admit that that was a mistake? And it's like, oh, that was that was actually what you should do in a media setting. Holy crap, this is amazing. Um, yeah. So the transfer you thing. So here's my my. I don't know if what he's saying is true, which I kind of believe it is, uh, because I don't see him like micromanaging the Twitter. Some social media manager uh, did did a stupid tweet. And that's it. You know, it happens. I've I've managed Twitter before. You, you do some stupid tweets from time to time. Um, I, it's an own goal. Um, I, I think it reflects maybe a lack of um, 
perfect awareness throughout the program of how that could be reflected poorly in high school recruiting. I don't think it's that big of a deal because the proof is already there. Like, I think if anybody wants to negative recruit against UCLA for bringing in too many transfers, they don't need a tweet to do that. They can already do it, and they already are doing it. Um, but certainly not a good thing. And but I that, think... Yeah. That's I, what this was, though. This was his attempt to save face with high school recruiting and, and just uh, the most desperate, really ineffectual way you, you could. I mean, in... in and what he said, you know, we're going about it the same way we have, well, you know, we're high school, and then we're going to supplement it with the portal. Yeah, well, that's not what UCLA is doing. But he has to say that now because if you get the transfer, the way things get into the consciousness of recruits, their families, seven-on-seven teams, high schools, it's just not like one tweet. But it's over the course of a while, probably at least a couple of, of cycles where there's a trend and then it starts to really sink in. Um, so this is UCLA has now been doing this for two cycles where it's really emph emphasized in the transfer portal. It's clearly doing it again for this cycle for 2023. It's it, I've heard from that culture of people starting to question, Hey, if my, if my kid goes there, are they going to recruit over him with, with the transfer? And and bros, believe me, that's a factor. There are people who were downplaying it on the forum. It is absolutely a factor. And I've never, I among things, like I said, it takes a while for things to set in. This set in quickly. Usually it takes a while. This is set in quickly. Uh, families, recruits are aware of it. That tweet reinforced it, which made it n not good. But this is this was Chip Kelly's attempt to try to save that face, and I don't think there's any face saving when it comes to that. The program has clearly chosen transfer recruiting over high school. Yeah, and I think um, you know it was ineffectual. I, I I was impressed that he even tried though. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. That was kind of because before when you've asked him about this, basically, I mean, when you asked him, and I think it was August. Um, about this he was just like oh yeah you know we're kind of a short timer <laughs> you know like we gotta we gotta get guys who can come in and make an impact immediately and it's just like well okay how do you think that's gonna work when you're like recruiting a developmental freshman and the trick is don't recruit developmental freshmen because they're not anymore um and you know what's interesting too you kind of just and i understand what you're saying someone made a mistake and people make mistakes and yeah you know you get over it but What's really always been interesting to me is coaching staffs come in, they hire a bunch of people, and most of the time there are, there are very few people that are holdovers from the last staff or even long you know longer term people. Uh, there are some people within the athletic department, obviously, who do not get fired. <laughs> you know that you know that just made me think of right. Oh yeah. You're fired, and you're fired. Um, I'm fired. You're you get to keep your. I, I'm fired. I'm fired. But you get to stay. <laughs> <sighs> We've told that story before, so we're not even going to tell you what that is this time. No. Um, but the tone deafness that of what UCLA is, its image 
what it believes itself to be, what it puts itself out there, its selling points of what it is, was not this. And the fact that there is someone within UCLA's program who put that out, I'm forgiving that person because they don't know. But there's a responsibility within the athletic department, within the football program, to say, this is who we are. This is not a line with who we are. I mean, it aligned. Did you, did you see that Mississippi State came out with their tweet and actually added UCLA football? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> We're number one. So UCLA is now competing with the Mississippi States, Arizona States. Can't remember who else was there for, for that title of transfer you. Well, the Ole Miss, so Ole Miss is the one that's actually been somewhat successful. They're 17 and 8 since 2020. Uh, but the rest of the programs, it's not like it's something to hang your hat on. It was like Rutgers, which has been horrible. Uh, Arizona State, which is, you know, obviously an imploding program. Uh, and UCLA. Like, it's not like it's, you know, uh, this. <laughs> it's, well, all they, it's not, they weren't even talking about success. On the yeah, yeah no, but my point is, like, look, but like you're, at, you're, you're adding these, these other teams into the, con like, just from a marketing perspective. Yeah. You're adding these other teams into the context of a discussion about your team. Well, let's look at those teams. And they're not good. Most of yeah. them are not good. And the reason they're not good is because their program is unstable. Strike number two with that. Uh, uh, number one, putting out that tweet. Number two, listing the other schools is tone deaf. Don't yeah. list the other schools. Just say you're number one. Don't make your program about other programs unless the other programs are Alabama and Georgia. Or, or let's just even say, you know... Oregon or Michigan State or Wisconsin. They have to be good. Lines. They have to be good. If <laughs> your if your if your attempted a graphic includes the word Rutgers, don't do it. Okay, how about that? How's uh, that for a rule? Uh, and there's no one who knows better who saw who approved or saw that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is where I don't like to beat up the social media people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just. Uh, probably hey, you know what you know what tracy you know what it was it was a process failure it certainly was process yeah. failure and, got, and got to fix that process and we we're talking about process yeah <laughs> that comes back remember to uh that you want you are how you get better and how you improve and how you become good is through is just concentrating on the process you got to focus on the process baby and there is a head coach that is that uh, process driven, but also uh, kind of um, has his hand in a lot of things is, is kind of a, I wouldn't say a control freak, but he controls a lot of the program. So anyway, I think we've beaten that one. So, we've beaten, uh, we've we'll get the little graphic that someone needs a new graphic of beating a horse into the ground. Yeah. That, that thing's so that, yeah. Let's okay. let, let's take a quick break here, Tracy. Okay, and we'll be great. back in just a second. Okay, great. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back after uh, that that horse is dead. We beat that horse to death. Yeah. Um, we flogged it. It's a sweaty mess of viscera on the ground now. Um, this week, though, I think we have some things. You know, uh, usually at this time of year, you really haven't had enough teams to judge how good teams are. Um, especially when you're playing FCS schools. You had an opportunity there to transition from sweaty mess of viscera into the bad teams they've played so far. You know this what? Year. I, I, I did, and just the whole image of sweaty mess of that was enough right there. I just didn't want to really hit that again. Okay, but yeah. speaking of Bowling Green, yes. Yeah. Uh, let's. Oh, uh, we're uncertain about Washington. How good Washington is? You've Correct. watched them. I've watched them. I, you know, I, before the season, I said they were going to be better than everyone's expecting them to be just because they have a new coach. They have some talent. They have some personnel holes also. Um, you'd say they probably – they've been about as good as I was expecting them to be, but generally better than what everyone was expecting them to be. They play Michigan State this weekend. Yeah, um, and they're favored. Which is how? I, I don't – Michigan State ranked? 11th? Yeah, I mean, some of it's the road game effect. Some of it's the lack of talent that Michigan State always has. Um, I'm really interested in that game. It's a it's the 4:30 game, so everyone should tune into that one. Don't bother watching Colorado. I will I will take care of that one in the preview for you. You don't need to watch people, but watch Washington because that's the interesting game in yeah. two weeks. Um, that's the one that I think will be a bellwether for both programs. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be a weird Friday night game, but um, Washington, Michigan State, it'll be. I think it's the big game on Fox on four thir- at four thirty. And, and it brings up another thing, and it, and it touches back on what we we're talking about, Carl Durrell. In in this era of uh, what is evolving into big conferences, right? and we'll probably end up at least two, three, probably three. What does a program like Colorado do? Because they hired. Mel Tucker, and I remember a lot of people who I kind of semi-respect, well, respect, kind of poo-pooed that hire, thinking he wasn't going to be good there. He obviously was, parlayed that to Michigan State, and one of the best, if I remember correctly, one of the best contracts in college football, most lucrative contracts, um, like top 10. Uh, What does Colorado do in this new era? If they either randomly find themselves a Mel Tucker. Who, how long was Mel Tucker there? Two years? Three years? Yeah, two years. Might have, and, it might have been one year. I don't even remember. And you leave and you're gone. Or you find yourself the Carl Durrells of the world and you languish. Uh, I mean, do you... 
Ideally, they find a really good coach who wants to stay at Colorado. And that was a lot more um, realistic, let's say five, even, you know, 10, but even five years ago, 15 years ago, you know, guys who would want to stay there and win there. Uh, what happens now with a program like Colorado? Is Colorado yeah. ever going to earn a lot of money from media rights? In my thing with Colorado, well, so I think the, the there's two separate conversations. One is what are they going to do money wise, and I think that's that's not up to Colorado to control. Actually, it's just they don't have enough juice to make any big moves of their own. So that's you just got to put that in a bucket. The question is, how are you ever going to be semi competitive on the football field? Um, they were almost there with Mel Tucker, and if he had decided to stay, maybe they would have gotten there. Uh, they were sort of there with Mike McIntyre for like a brief stretch there, but then kind of lost it. Um, my big thing every time I see one of these bad jobs open up in the Pac-12, whether it's Washington State or Colorado or Arizona, go do something different. Um, not to go back to the zigzag stuff, but um, go triple option. Go do something weird. Uh, do something that's hard to prepare for, something that could actually give you a competitive advantage where you're not going to get one in recruiting. Um, so hire the Navy guy. Well, hire the Navy guy or hire somebody who's versed in that. Um, I, I think there's a little bit too much of like, well, we need to be a, a pro factory. We need to regain the glory of the 90s or whatever it is. And it's like, well, you're not doing that. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So again, a lack of people making the hire, a lack of knowing what Colorado is, knowing what the sport is, where it is, and your chances. I mean, how much does Carl Durrell make it a year? Two, two and a half, three? Something like that. I think it's like two, two. And, two and can a half. Colorado ever afford to pay a coach $6 million? So it's either do what you say or you keep trying to find the Mel Tuckers for a three year run where then they leave. Yeah. So you're, you're a stepping stone. Well, it's essentially it's, it's the transfer portal and recruiting. You know, yeah, yeah. it's it's you, you're on the hamster wheel. Then if you're going for the hot coordinator, yeah, you might you might strike gold uh, every other hire, but they're going to leave because you don't have the money to keep them. Um, and the other route is and this is what they've tried to do, too, is go with the alum, you know, the, the guy who has some built in loyalty to the program. So um, you got to go out and find a Colorado alum who really is going to be a good coach. So he's on the list of candidates because he's a good coach. But wow, you you struck gold because he might want to stay for five years, right? And that's just it's just such pie in the sky crap, you know. I think you can find, um, you know, go find somebody who's going to be an innovator um, or somebody who's running a system that is really hard to prepare for, and you do one of those two things, you can turn Colorado into I don't know what Georgia Tech was for a lot of years under Paul Johnson where yeah, it was boomer bust. Like they would occasionally go three and nine, but they would also have years where they went nine and three uh, because they had the right mix of option talent. And it's so much of when you're running the option, so much is dependent on who are you able to recruit on defense? You know, are you able to recruit, you know, a couple of NFL guys on defense? And I think that's still available for Colorado if they get the right guy. Um, okay. So like you're talking about Utah, Whittingham, right? I, I mean, they hit lightning in a bottle where they found a great coach. And I mean, they've, they've circled in, rotated in so many different coaches over the years, and they've stayed good. They recruit, if you go by recruiting rankings, they don't recruit well. 
but they, they recruit. They've been recruiting a lot better, and they do have uh, something that Colorado doesn't have, which is the Polynesian connection. Right. So, but still, project what college football is going to be. Whittingham leaves. There's, uh, it's very very iffy that that program stays at the level it is right right now. Well, no, of course, because it's at an all-time high right now. I would yeah. just say Utah is a little bit more of a unicorn than Colorado is because they have the weird recruiting uh, uh, pipelines, um, you know, being, like, obviously a, a semi-Mormon institution. You know, you've got connections with a lot of the Polynesian communities. Um, and Utah just has a little bit better of a built-in talent base than the state of Colorado does. Um just I get. From, I completely agree, but I, I guess the bigger picture, and I'm not saying it. There are going to. This is going to be a sport of haves and haves not, and have nots. They, uh, no matter what, no matter how much Utah achieves and overachieves, they are in the have nots. Well, they already are. Right. I, my, that, I guess they're overachieving they're, as a have not. Right. And it's going to be worse. The discrepancy between haves and have nots is going to get larger. Right. So. Uh, and I hate to break it to y'all, and I know you don't feel this way, but UCLA is a half. <laughs> they are absolutely, uh, they, they're underachieving as a half. But they, it, is, it is in that upper tier of half, between halves and half-nots, it is a half, by far. Um, so that's, that might be the saddest part. They're the, the exact mirror <laughs> antithesis of Utah who is overachieving as a have-not and UCLA underachieving as a have. But what what happens to these... Uh, you've always, you think there's going to be a third major conference, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more leaning towards this being a, a medium-term unstable as it is right now, and it's going to break up again very quickly. Medium, um, ter- yeah, yeah. For the foreseeable, unstable, but then it settles in within two or three years when these contracts are up and what is it what does it look like when it settles in three years well okay so my medium term i mean like 10 or 15 years from now i don't think these i don't think these super conferences exist um but as it stands right now i think it's going to be in two or three years you've got the big 10 and the sec and then you're going to have the acc still existing because of their stupid media contract yeah wow and then i think it's going to be one of the Big 12 or the Pac-12 uh, still, you know, putting along. Um, but, but they will not get, they will not have a media deal like either the SEC or the Big 10. No, no, no. God, no. So it is, it's not three conferences. It's two and then kind of a the ACC and Pac-12, Big 12. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, there's... Uh, there's this belief that the money is everything, and I do think it's a lot of the thing, but it's not everything. Um, what the Big 12 has right now is a real football competitive conference. Like, Houston is not a big-moneyed program, but Houston is a very, very good football program and has been for a long time and can still recruit just the Houston area well enough that they can sustain with some pretty good talent. Um, yeah, but so- like you said, Utah's a unicorn. There are the unicorns that are – but there's going to be a larger discrepancy as all so many of the haves make so much more money. I mean, UCLA over the last 50 years has been the number two program in the PAC 12, essentially all, you know, making the same media money as Oregon state. 
Yeah. <laughs> now it's going to make probably set on average over the next five when it starts in the Big Ten, seventy million dollars more right. than Oregon State. All that, but I guess so. This is where like my own like kind of complications with how much money is involved in this kind of come into play. But it's all that means is that you're inflating your coaching salaries even more than you already were. Uh, like, yeah, see, I, I think it impacts a lot. I mean, we just talked about recruiting. We talked. It's gonna okay, but like yeah. the difference between spending two hundred eighty thousand dollars on a, an official visit and a hundred thousand dollars on an official visit is like, I don't know. You ate. Um, you ate like a baby cow's liver instead of its, I don't know, it's, you know. Yeah, but you can flank. hire, instead of six analysts, you can hire 12. Instead of a recruiting uh, right, right, office of again, three guys, you've got 10. Again, again, like this is where like basic diminishing returns comes in too. Because how much is that 12th analyst giving you? Like, Dude, what you're are trying you too hard to go. You're no, doing, no, no, no. You're going My, contrary. You have to admit, between... Minimum bare bones. Yeah, I get the diminishing returns, but between the diminish between the bare bones and the diminishing returns line, there's a huge difference. There is, and I, I'm not saying the money won't matter. What I'm saying is, like, okay, so first, there's two different points here. One is UCLA is going to be making that money, and so is everyone in the Big Ten and everyone in the SEC, which is going to be like 40 teams in college football. Um, two. The difference between making $70 million a year or $80 million a year and $40 million a year in college football is significant, but it's not as significant as the difference between making 30 and 10. It's, 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 there's, a, there's a certain minimum standard that you have to hit. Like you have to be able to host official visits. You have to be able to fund your program. You have to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And then there's a lot of extra accoutrement that we have in this. Okay, thing. I would say thirty million dollars media deal. You're you can't you can't because don't forget that thirty million dollars isn't just going towards your football program and it also trying to fund your athletic department. Totally. So if you're not making, you are severe cutback at thirty million dollars a year. Severe. Well, no, because the other sports still aren't going to cost that much money because you're still not going to pay those coaches that much money. Even so, it's severe cutbacks. Let me let me just make a bet right now. Where most of this money is going to go is continuously inflating coach contracts. Like what it's going to go to is that uh, the top coaches in the leagues are going to be making fifteen to twenty million dollars a year starting in three years. That's where most of this money is going to go. Yeah. Okay. I still would rather take a slightly inflated uh, co uh, contract for a good coach at UCLA than uh, Colorado that can't afford the slightly inflated. Yeah. yeah no. I do, salary. Do, don't get me yeah. wrong. That's correct. But UCLA was always going to get the coach over Colorado anyway. Right. I'm just saying the discrepancy between the haves and the haves not. You're saying it's. Not it maybe as much as like I'm saying, and I'm saying it's going to get considerably more. Yeah, in the next few years, if not the next ten years. Yeah, unless something else evens out. Colorado was never winning a coach hire battle with anybody in the Big Ten or the SEC, but that was always true. They weren't going to win a recruiting battle with any of those programs, really, and that was always true. Right. So what what is the fate of Colorado, Oregon State? Uh, yeah. Utah after <laughs> with their next coach. It's the fate. It's Washington always, State. It's the fate. It's always been so or, for Oregon State, for example. They 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 struck the gold right because they have the alum as their head coach, who's actually a good coach. 
um, so they can maintain for a long time, essentially as long as he's there, um, because they recruit, they recruit JCs, they recruit guys nobody wants, and he's a good enough coach that he can turn them into players. Um, and a good evaluator. Yeah, I mean he's he's good at it, and he's a very good quarterbacks coach. I mean he's turning guys who are not greatly talented into borderline NFL guys. Um, so I, I I think we're you know. I think what you're saying is right, which is the money will matter. What I'm just saying is it was always – they were always have-nots. The, the the change in UCLA going to the Big Ten just means that UCLA will be on the competitive playing field with the other bigger halves. But Colorado, Oregon State, uh, Washington State, Arizona, they were always have-nots because of, like, things that are not dependent on their TV money. Like the the realities of where those programs are located has more to do with it than anything. Right, and now I say even more of have-nots. Sure, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Which I mean, that's that's going to mean something. I mean, I don't, what I, is Colorado going to be in five years? I think it will matters. they be even a power? Where where will they play? Who will they be playing in? What conference? Wow. I yeah, but know. they were. It was already. I mean, yeah, okay, but it was already going that way. I mean, there. What's, what's better, being in the Mountain West if you're Colorado, or going two and ten in the Pac-12? That's what I'm saying. They've been a Pac-12 school. They've been. You no, know, no, but what? Which one of those is better? What, going six be and now? six in the Mountain West, or going two and ten in the Pac-12? I think I, it's going six and six in the Mountain West. Yeah, I think maybe we think that, but I don't know how Colorado fans would feel about playing about being a Mountain West program. I don't know. How do they feel about being an FCS program? Because that's about what they are right now. Right. They're going that way, and and I'm saying it's going to get worse for them. At least they have some prestige of being a Power 5 school. I I mean, when you go to recruit and you're coming into California, we're playing in the Pac-12. We're a Power 5 school. Compared to we're Mountain West, how, when's the last time you've watched a Mountain West game that didn't feature a Pac-12 school? Uh, years? Decades? <laughs> we will never see Colorado again. I mean, I'm uh, sorry. But... I don't want to. I, I really, if I, there are certain schools I have, you know, an affinity for, and it's definitely Colorado. This is coming from not wanting to bag on Colorado, actually feeling bad about their potential fate. Yeah. Well, anyway, we we've spent a lot of time. Um, and I, I, you're the one that did the preview on South Alabama. Yep. Uh, and I just looked at, uh, we haven't published it yet, or maybe you published it behind my back. Uh, Alex I would never Lockover, do that to you. stat preview, advanced stat preview. It looks like the matchup just from that, and I skimmed your kind of thing. I want to read it more in depth when I have time, like when I'm, you know, uh-huh. on the toilet. Yeah, I believe uh, you. Uh, I would, it, it's, the matchup seems like, to me, UCLA's offense versus South Alabama's defense? Is that the better matchup or no? So, here's what I would say. Going into the season, the expectation was that South Alabama's defense was going to be the strength of the team, and I think it is, to an extent. What I would say is um, South Alabama's offense has been surprisingly better. Um, than what it was last year. Uh, last year, it was pretty bad. Uh, this year, um, I like their quarterback, um, Bradley, uh, Carter Bradley. He 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 looks pretty good. And I watched at, him. I liked him, too. At Toledo, um, 
I think he was dealing with some injuries a lot, but um, when he was healthy, he was he was pretty damn good. Um, so their offense has been a little bit better than I expected. The defense is, and again, it's because we're doing this against Alabama State and against Bowling Green. South Alabama is just fine. Like they're not. This isn't a world beater. It's not um, that rising Memphis team under Justin Fuente. It's not. Cincinnati under Luke Fickle. It's just a fine group of five, like some team that's going to go 500 this year. Hey, you um, know, give the program a, a lot of credit, though. I mean, this is not a program that's been around a long time. No, no, they're doing well. And 2009. I, yeah, no, give them credit for building the program, and they're they're certainly going to be competitive. And there's a there's a non-zero chance that UCLA loses this game. I mean, if if South Alabama really comes to play, and they're, you know, and UCLA's got bad game plans on both sides of the ball. South Alabama has the talent to take advantage of that. It's just, you match up both these teams, each of them with a credible game plan. UCLA should win by three scores. I mean, in basketball, there are the programs, you know, you can start a basketball program. It takes 15 guys. Boom. They started the program in 2009 and that was with a non NCAA schedule. They started playing, they moved to FBS in 2012. That was 10 years ago. Now, I mean, they're this is like you said, they're fine. This is a decent team. This isn't this isn't bowling green. They've done they've put together a program in ten years, which that's that's kind of amazing, actually. You gotta give them a lot of credit. And I think I think if you wrote about this, I'm I'm uh, I apologize, but there is I think there is a marked advantage. Uh, in intangibles. I think South Alabama coming into the Rose Bowl, wanting to prove itself. Uh, I think they are going to be ready, mentally ready to play. And no matter what, I think UCLA just can't. Overall, they have to be fighting the mental state of this is just another soft, uh, uh, another easy team. Yeah. I mean, don't you agree? Yeah. I think for the most part. Yeah. Um, but I, I let's say it. Let's repeat it again. Well, what did you predict? What was it? Was it two touchdowns or three touchdowns? 41-24. 41-24. Okay. So 17 points. If they don't win by what we consider a, a blowout, a, a clear, you know, 20-ish point margin and look, and look dominant let's say, uh, th- there should be some concern. But if they do do that, I will say, okay, you know, UCLA's got a chance. Yeah, so, I think yeah. that's right. I think uh, this is the first one where I will, like, you know, think about drawing a couple of conclusions. Okay, yeah. Um, anything, so what we're really saying still, like what, this is, this is amazing because usually we adjust our point of view, but we're still dead on from what we were in the off season. Um, yeah. We're still not really even a semi test until Washington. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So nothing's really, nothing really has, has changed. really changed. Everything is about where we, we thought it would be in terms of UCLA's upcoming opponents Yep. and how good and where we would be in judging UCLA. So there you go. Yeah. Um, on the basketball front, uh, there's a commitment, uh, there's an announcement that, uh, coming up on Monday. 
Brandon Williams, the 6'7 forward from Christ the King in Queens. Uh, That's will, tough. Will make his announcement. Christ the King in Queens? Well, you know, middle, uh, it's, it gets described as middle village also. And then I, lo- I actually looked up where the high school is and it says Queen. So I started writing Queens. Um, I have to admit, I don't know. I've never been to Christ the King. Christ, uh, Christ the King of Queens? Uh, you like that? I do like that. So King of Queens. Yeah, that's what I'm going for. We should maybe come up with a sitcom. Yeah, um, that's good. we've got an idea there. Uh, I really, I really like him. I've only seen him. Uh, I only know that I've seen him one time, uh, and I was really impressed with him. Six seven, a good two hundred and ten pounds. Used to be a power forward. He was a six six, two hundred and ten, maybe even bigger. He's slimmed down some, but he's grown. Power forward before, and now he's expanding his game. He can face up. And as he's gotten a little bit older, his athleticism has absolutely improved. He's gotten springier, quicker. And remember, he's turning, he's still 16, or he is, he just turned 17 in September. He's really young for his age, which is highly unusual these days. So a lot of upside to him. Tough kid. Uh, I really like this commitment. He's ranked like 70th something, which I probably think is a little bit low. Um, I think he's probably better than that, but a good three to four year player. But what I like most about him is just the upside. I could see him being six, eight and two twenty five uh, power forward who can take smaller guys uh, uh, close to the basket and then take bigger guys off the dribble, pull them away from the basket. Um, so I really, I really like this if they get it. If they get him, and there's no certainty in life, is there? There's never a certainty, ever. Even when there have been instances, you know, all these kids want their edits and they want those. I've There's even been times when the whole graphic has been done. The interview is in the can. We've gotten uh, comments from the player ready, and then he switched his commitment with all that already prepared. So it's never done. Um, so there's that. That would be UCLA's second commitment. They are part of the Williams twins, along with Devin Williams, the six ten <laughs> post. Uh, hey, there's Cody Williams. They still got. They could get a Williams trifecta, um, and he is visiting in October, October seventh, I believe. And then, of course, everyone is just sitting here waiting for us to talk about the international prospects that are out there. I can't tell you anything at this point. Sorry, um, I haven't heard of any. All I've heard through different sources is it's still being worked on at this point. Um, and people, why, why, what, what takes so long? Oh my God. I think we've already talked about this. International recruiting is a matter of uh, their amateur status. Uh, they're playing for uh, uh, a club team. That club team doesn't want them to leave. It's not like saying, oh, UCLA, come and take our best player. Um Academics, uh, eligible through the NCAA, eligible through UCLA, just a lot of, if you're talking about middlemen and entourage for American players, wow, uh, international players, <laughs> it, is, it is one long, uh, just a line of guys that you've got to go through. So 
It's taking some time. Uh, they still have some time. The quarter, I think, instruction doesn't start until, I don't know, maybe, a, I didn't even look that up. Maybe in a week, but you, you could. Can't he, you still get in for like three, you could get two in or for three? About a week after. Yeah. yeah. So I, probably the end of the month, and we're on the 16th, so they still have, you know, like two weeks. Um, I will do my best to find out any developments about where it all stands right now, but I haven't heard anything in the last few days. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, what I look at for this season is, um, as it stands right now, does UCLA have a chance to go to a Final Four with the team they have? Yes. Would it be helped by adding a couple of bodies? Also, yes. Um, but I, I think what they've got right now is still an extremely athletic roster. Um, and no real... Uh, so, if you project a few things ahead, you know, they, they don't have any major holes. Um, I think maybe shooting a little bit. But for the most part, Pretty damn good roster, good enough to make a final four. Yeah, That's I fine. guess. Uh, I guess you'd like to see. Uh, I, I, you'd say the sh outside shooting might be a little bit suspect. Yep. Um, you'd like to see a, a, a better shooting, even though just having Johnny Juzang on the on the roster last year kind of was a false positive on that, <laughs> in my mind, uh, and. Uh, will be very interesting to see uh, the combination of improvement and outside shooting between Jalen Clark and Jaime Hawkes. Absolutely. Um, uh, but I'd like to see a, a face-up four. Um, uh, I, I think that would be a really good addition to this year's roster. Um, so yeah, no, there's a there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of a lot of talent. Uh, also talking about 2023 recruiting. Uh, Andre Stojakovic is visiting Oregon this weekend, like we had reported a few weeks ago. He visited Texas. Uh, I think I heard that he probably will be making uh, an announcement sometime in around early October. Um, that sounds about right. Um, I've heard you say saw a real chance at Michael, Michael Mokwa, the um, post player who's now at Napa Prolific prep and uh in his story he's he's visiting ucla too correct yes yes and there still is the cody williams and there's el marco jackson the point guard um out of connecticut so there's still some guys out there um ron holland is still there oh, and isaiah it. Collier. stop it but those are guys we're just kind of not thinking about right now yeah stop it okay i'll stop as soon as we i had stop, to mention I, them no no but here no no you didn't because here's yeah, the thing as soon as we stopped talking about Ron Holland and Isaiah Collier, you know what things did? They got better. There's so, a lesson there. So it's one of the – you're really saying that. You're really saying that our actions are No, 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 no. What I'm about. saying is as soon as they stopped being factors, really, in what UCLA is doing and recruiting, things got better. And I don't think it's a coincidence because – once they made it clear that, like, uh, this is going to take forever and we're probably not going to UCLA, well, okay, some things started moving in other areas. There's a lesson okay. there. Okay. As long as you're not saying that what we're doing here is... No, 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 no. I'm not a... spiritual... Yeah. I'm, I'm not that guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, wait, what was your predicted score? Uh, 41-24. 41-24. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, UCLA will get over 200 yards rushing. 
<sighs> because when they do that, they win. Yeah, sure. We'll go 200 yards. Okay. A narrow thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. There we great. go. Okay. Great. Well, we're good. Okay. We're great. We're, good. we're wonderful. Yeah. We're okay, good. great. Good talk. All right. <laughs> well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods. Bruin Report Online. And we'll talk to you again next time. Okay, guys. See you. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.